oral questions by members. Leader of the Official Opposition. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Last week, the Minister of Ch Children and Family Development announced that the NDP will eliminate direct funding for children, for families of children with autism. To say that families were shocked would be an understatement. Deborah Pugh, with Autism Community Training, says her nonprofit has already received over 500 calls from families who are scared and they are angry about this callous decision. I am confident that MLAs on all sides of this House are hearing from parents who don't understand what in the world this government is doing. Jessica Scott says, and I quote, we have worked hard to build a team that is supportive for my daughter. She is thriving, and now we receive this news. I'm feeling scared and disheartened. We need to be able to choose who she works with. Her success and well-being depend on it, end quote. So will the minister relieve the anxiety and concern that parents are feeling across British Columbia today? Will she reverse her decision and will she commit to families across this province that they will continue to receive the individualized funding that they rely on? Minister of Children and Family Development. Honourable Speaker, and I thank the member for the question. I too have heard from families. I understand the concerns that families have right across British Columbia, and that's why we're taking our time to make this change so that we get it right and that we're working with families and continuing to listen to families, providing that support over the next three years to make that transition successful. I've also been hearing from families who say that that fragmented approach doesn't work for them. They were not able to get services because there weren't any services. Uh, the the um, services were too delayed because they had to wait for a diagnosis. And we've been told by so many other families and advocates that we need to move to a needs-led needs system, a public system that creates a safety net for children and families. And we've seen that really had a spotlight shone on it during the pandemic. So we're going to create that system for all children and families across British Columbia who need those services and supports. Leader of the Official Opposition, Supplemental. Thank you very much. And uh, obviously the answer to the question was no. The Minister won't reconsider. The Minister won't take back the decision that she made that is causing anxiety and distress across this province. And what's even worse is that the minister is ignoring the experience of families who have to deal with this directly every single day. Not one autism organization, not one, was involved in the decision to cut direct funding to families and replace it with a model that has caused issues in other jurisdictions. Not Autism BC, not the BC Association of Behaviour and Analysts, and not the Autism Support Network. Not one. Heather Harrison says, and I quote, this change is ludicrous and disrespectful. So callously announced with no consultation with autistic people or parents of autistic children, end quote. 
So will the minister stand up again, show some respect, do some actual consultation with families who are being impacted by this decision and reverse the decision? Minister of Children and Family Development. Thank you, Honourable Speaker, and thank you to the member. In 2019, it is important to listen to families and listen to advocates. In 2019, the Ministry consulted with over 1,500 individuals and families, including, for example, Autism BC. And then COVID hit. So we pivoted to make sure that we implemented emergency measures to make sure that we supported families who were already struggling, who were then hit by the pandemic, and make sure that we could support them. Once we established the Minister's Advisory Council, and I want to say a, a really big thank you to everybody who's sharing their lived experience, their expertise, and they're so generous with sharing their perspectives in the Council. We have lived expertise and we have um, experience among our members on the Council of Autism. We will continue, as we go through our implementation phases, to listen to families across the province, not only families with children who, happen, who have a, a diagnosis of autism, but families with children with Down syndrome, families with children with a fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, the whole range of families who are impacted by needing services for their children and youth, wanting to do the best for their children and youth. And we're going to be delivering those services to help those children and youth thrive. Member for West, West Vancouver, Capilano. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Um, in the consultation of 1,500 people across British Columbia, um, none of that information uh, was discussed uh, in terms of this dramatic shift in funding, and those conversations from that consultation are not at all reflected in what was announced last week by the Minister. Um, none of those advocacy groups and people with direct experience were even included on the Advisory Council. The ministers created chaos and confusion for service providers who were not consulted. Diane Pierce is worried about what this means for her 12-year-old daughter. She called the government trying to get clarity, Mr. Speaker, but says, quote, they are not listening. I told the lady on the phone, stop. I said, stop with your spiel. It's not the good of all children. We're losing everything, end quote. Will the minister admit she was wrong, Mr. Speaker, reverse her decision to cut direct funding and actually consult with the autism community? Minister. Oh, thank you, Honourable Speaker, and thank, thank you for the question. Um, it is important to listen to families. Um, and I've been hearing from a lot of families about the struggles that they've been facing. Many families in British Columbia do not have access to services. Many families in British Columbia have had to wait for a diagnosis before they can even get access to services. We've been listening to families and individuals because we began our consultation in 2019. We continued our work with the Advisory Council from 2020. We have actually had government in British Columbia has actually had multiple reports from the representative for children and youth suggesting, directing, uh, recommending that we move to a needs-based system. We will... Within that system, all children and youth with support needs, whether they have a diagnosis of autism or not, will be able to walk into a family connections hub, be connected with a professional, and have services wrapped around them, putting them at the centre. Yeah. 
Member for West Vancouver, Kapilanuk, supplemental. Uh, Mr. Speaker, we're not sure that they're going to be able to walk into a hub centre because we have none of that information and none of these families have that information. Jen Biddlecombe from Port Moody is the mother of an autistic son. On the weekend, she started a petition that calls on the minister to leave individual funding in place and actually consult with parents, service providers and Autism BC. Thousands of British Columbians have already signed the petition, including Deborah Antifave, who says, quote, we fought this battle against the NDP over 20 years ago. We can't afford their unaccountable bureaucracies when it comes to the well-being of our kids, end quote. Will the minister listen to Jen, Deborah, and thousands of others and thousands who have signed the petition who are hurt by her callous decision to cut funding? Minister. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker, and thank you to the member for the question. I understand the concerns that some families have, and I've also heard from other families how grateful they are that we're starting to make this change. For many families in British Columbia, this change cannot come fast enough. We have, a, we have a good period of implementation so that we can get this right and we can continue to listen to families and to uh, youth and to agencies and advocates so that we can make sure that this implementation is successful. At the end of the day, what's really important is connecting the services that are needed to the children and youth and their families who need them. Joshua Myers, Executive Director of the BC Centre for Ability, said after many years of a system that has been fragmented and challenging for families to access, we are happy to see the significant changes proposed in this new approach. The member opposite, the member for West Vancouver Capilano, actually herself has said, I'm happy to hear that the new CYSN framework will actually take some of those barriers away for the challenges that parents have on trying to self-manage those funds. Leader of the third party. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker, and indeed, as the Leader of the Official Opposition points out, we are hearing from parents of neurodiverse children, and they are very concerned. Cynthia Lockery is a parent of an autistic child in Duncan. She, like so many others, is incredibly concerned about these changes. She acknowledges that there does need to be change, but what she has uh, is a message for the government, and this is a quote from Cynthia. These parents already are under enormous stress raising and advocating for their kids. Every parent has mentioned the stress, anxiety, and trauma caused by this announcement, and many, many tears have been shed. The government isn't looking at the human element of the decisions. The minister, in response to one question, said that they will be taking time to make this change, but the outcome seems to be predetermined. And this is the issue that parents have, is that a consultation process should feel that the people being consulted are included in the outcome that comes as opposed to the outcome being told to them, and then the consultation happens. My question, Honourable Speaker, is to the Minister of Children and Families. How is she planning to address this situation and ensure that changes are to the to the supports being offered to neurodiverse children and families are informed by the families of these children. Minister of Children and Family. 
Uh, thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker, and thank you to the member for the question. The consultation with community, with families, with agencies began in 2019, and uh, the with over 1,500 uh, contributions, the framework was created on the basis of that. Um, and so we're now working with families and with communities and agency providers on the implementation. We want to make sure the implementation is successful. It's really important for families who have children and youth with support needs that rather than having to wait and wait and fight for a diagnosis and then have to go out and create their own package and case manage a package of services for their young person, that actually when they first identify um, a developmental delay or an issue with functionality, they're able to take their child into a, a fully staffed service hub get connected with a professional straight away and, uh, and have a care plan created around that child and youth in partnership with that family. It takes away uh, the burden that we've heard other parents tell us about of having to be case managers for their children. It provides a supportive environment. And most importantly, the lesson that we learned from the pandemic was that when the pandemic hit, the services that families relied on dropped Thank away you, and families felt even less supported in the pandemic than they had done before. Thank and so you. by creating a public system, we create that safety net, which is what we all want to see our children and youth thrive. Leader of the third party, supplemental. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. And, and in no way do I suggest that this isn't an incredibly complex and difficult system to navigate. However, uh, the minister's suggestion that had this been in place in the pandemic, although she might not have been suggesting that, but let's be clear, had there been public hubs in place in the pandemic, those services would have disappeared too. So what I think is essential in this is that diverse needs need diverse options, and that's what parents are really indicating to us right now. They're asking about in-school supports, diagnosis needed for in-school supports. How will these changes affect them? Will children who have seen the same speech therapist or occupational therapist for years develop trusting relationships? Will they be required to abandon their care providers? Parents of children with disabilities are already working in a scarcity model. They have worked tirelessly to find the right service providers for their kids, and now they fear that these hubs risk taking that support away from them. Children with diverse needs cannot be served by one hub without mention of more funding or a plan to meet everybody's needs. The announcement leaves a lot of questions for parents who are already stressed and need certainty and clarity. My question through you, Honourable Speakers, to the Minister of Children and Families, how much additional funding will accompany this new model? Minister of Children and Family Development. Oh, thank you, Honourable Speaker, and uh, thank you to the member for the question. Um, it's, there's nothing more important to us than making sure that we get the services that are needed to children and youth across the province uh, where and when they need them. Our government has been committed to that. We increased respite funding by $6 million, for example. Uh, the current budget in uh, Budget 2021 was increased by $13 million. Of that, $2 million was an increase for deaf and hard of hearing children. That, the, uh, those programs hadn't received an increase in 10 years. We also made the announcement of an additional $10 million for the at-home medical benefits program. That's for the really important functional equipment that children with complex needs need, need to have just for daily functioning, like wheelchairs, like lifts. 
there had not been an increase in that funding in over 20 years. Honourable Speaker, we're also making changes to the system, like we're um, making permanent the emergency measure of, uh, of, of respite funding being flexible as well. We're committed to making sure that the implementation of the Children and Youth with Support Needs Framework is successful, because that approach provides that public system, that safety net of services that are there where and when children and youth need them. Member for Cambridge, Saul Thompson. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Well, the, the member of the third party asked a pretty specific question about will additional funding uh, be wrapped around uh, the new framework uh, that the minister has announced. The answer seems to be no. Uh, the minister would save us all a lot of time if she just said no, there won't be more funding moving forward. And the sad reality is British Columbia uh, has been the acknowledged uh, leader in the country when it comes to autism supports. And the NDP, through these changes, are taking us backwards. They're taking families backwards. That's a sad reality for families across British Columbia. Mr. Speaker, FOI documents show why parents were blindsided by the NDP uh, with this decision to cut autism funding. The NDP uh, used non-disclosure agreements to prevent the Minister's Advisory Council from communicating with the outside world uh, on the NDP's plans. Now, Mr. Speaker, it's one thing to require confidentiality about pending legislation. That's one thing. It's quite another to tell people that you're going to cut their funding and then gag them so they can't talk to anybody about it. Cutting parents out of this conversation is the exact opposite of what this minister should have done. So my question is this. Why did the minister keep her plans to cut individualized autism funding a secret from parents? Minister. Oh, thank you, Honourable Speaker, and thank you to the member opposite for the question. Um, it is really important that we listen to parents, and it's going to be really important as we move forward that we continue uh, talking to parents and advocates and community partners and service agencies so that we can make this transition in the best way and the most successful way for children and youth. As we recognise, it's children and youth who are already needing services and are already vulnerable, so we need to make sure that that transition is successful. The consultation started in 2019, uh, and as I said, when COVID hit, we had to focus on emergency measures. We continued on the recommendation of the representative for children and youth to work with an advisory, um, an advisory council, and I really appreciate all of the work and expertise that they were able to share with each other and share with the ministry as we were finalising our implementation plans a bit to be able to deliver the framework in a way that best meets the needs of children and youth with neurodiverse needs. Member for Cambridge, Thompson, supplemental. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, the, the reality is this. The consultation that the member or the minister refers to from 2019, which had about 1,500 participants, none of that uh, feedback made its way into, into the minister's framework, what she's announced. None of it. And, and, and surely the minister is receiving the hundreds of emails that all of us in the opposition, I would venture to guess everyone in this chamber is receiving from frustrated, anxious, stressed, angry parents who have no idea which end is up in terms of what's being announced. Mr. Speaker, this is what Autism BC says about the Minister's consultation, and I quote, when the Minister's Advisory Council was formed, it cut off all community engagement, consultation and information sharing, end quote. 
FOI requests for minutes of meetings consist of page after page of redacted documents. So we still don't know what the NDP's plans really are. It's more than a little baffling how you could uh, overhaul autism funding but not talk to the parents and the families impacted. It's kind of like uh, not talking to the commissioner when you're making changes to the FOI legislation in this province. <laughs> Will the, minister, will the minister admit her mistake? Will she immediately consult with people with who have the direct experience with this? And will she reverse her decision to cut indiv individualized autism funding? Minister. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. Thank you to the member for the question. There's nothing more important than making sure that we build the supports that are needed for children, especially vulnerable children and youth across our province. We uh, started consultation on what would be the best model um, in 2019, and then COVID hit in 2020. Now, I understand and I hear from lots of families how difficult it is just to get by on a day-to-day -day basis when you have children and youth with support needs, maybe, maybe more than one in your family and, and maybe more than one child. Um, and, and then the pandemic hit. And you can imagine how much stress and strain that placed on those families. And so we implemented emergency measures, listening to families, hearing from them about what was important during a pandemic. And one of those things was to make respite funding more flexible so that people were able to manage um, their home, like maybe one family was buying a freezer so that they didn't have to go to the grocery store so often, for example. Another family was purchasing um, housework support so that they could just spend more quality time with their family. So we have been listening to families, Honourable Speaker. We also have the reports from the representative for children and youth. She also consulted with a lot of families. Now we're in a position where we have a three-year implementation process we're a, we've shared all of the information and we're able to have consultations with community partners, with agencies in the community, with professionals who are, who are delivering services and can transition those into the hubs. And Thank most you, importantly, we'll be Thank talking you. with families, with children and youth and with their parents to build a system that puts children and youth at the centre, wraps them around with services in partnership with their families. Member for Surrey South. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. And this government had to be dragged kicking and screaming to provide even the smallest amount of additional support to families during the pandemic. This is, this is a situation where we have a government that is so arrogant that they believe that you can cut somebody's funding to give it to more people and somehow that's okay. It's not okay, Minister. On September 27th, Autism BC wrote to the Minister to share, and I quote, their grave concern and uncertainty. End quote. Last month, the minister told them that no decisions would come for six to 12 months, and then she blindsides the community with these sweeping changes. Instead of expanding services, which definitely is required, and allowing for a combination of individualized and shared care, the minister is pitting parents against each other in a competition for resources. When will the minister reverse her decision to cut the individualized funding? Minister. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. 
Um, well, I have met with Autism BC and I have met with many organisations and heard from families as well. It's really important to listen to the lived experience and the expertise that families, that advocates and that service agencies are able to share with us as well. And we have had multiple reports from the representative for children and youth um, advising us and recommending to us that we move to a needs-based system. Indeed, the legislature's Select Standing Committee on Children and Youth also uh, wrote a report related to neurodiverse children in the province of British Columbia and was also making the same recommendations as well. So our government is committed to making sure that we don't have children locked behind a diagnosis, waiting years before they're able to access services. What will help children and youth will be having services at the earliest age and the earliest stage of intervention when issues are recognised, not waiting for a diagnosis. So we will provide that barrier-free access for children and youth to be able to get the services that they need because that will make a difference, Honourable Speaker, on their long-term pathway as, they, as we support them and launch them to fulfil their potential. Member for Surrey South, Supplemental. Thank you, uh, Mr Speaker. Nobody's arguing that there are kids that need support. The problem is that the Minister is cutting the support for one group to give some to the other group. It's not good enough. This minister, without consultation, has adopted the Ontario government's approach to autism funding. And as Charlotte Petrel said, and I quote, if you want to understand the need, talk to the people directly affected. This is not an area to make cuts, and Ontario is not a place to copy. Parents are in despair there. As a parent, this whole idea scares me for both my sons as I sit here and wait to see what the new funding will look like, end quote. Will the minister listen to Charlotte and consult with the people directly affected by her cuts? Minister of Children and Family. Well, thank you, Honourable Speaker. And our approach to delivering services for children and youth with support needs is to put them right at the centre. We are focusing on the needs of children and youth uh, and wrapping services around them in partnership with parents as well. So they will be such an active uh, part of creating the care plan and working out the services that are going to be needed. Children who have a diagnosis of autism will also be able to access these services and families will be supported in making that transition so that it's successful, so that their needs will be recognised and the services that they will receive will be organised um, in partnership with their family to meet their needs as well. But Honourable Speaker, there are many, many families in British Columbia who have been left out for a long, long time and we need to move to a needs-based system so that those other children and youth will also receive services. So we'll be able to provide services for children and youth with um, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, Down syndrome, and other developmental issues where who they currently uh, don't receive services. Mr. Speaker, this is not the only place where the NDP are making an ideological decision to limit choices for parents of children with autism. There are over 2,000 autistic children in independent distance learning schools, and families are shocked and angry with the multiple NDP cuts to the supports they need. Last year, the NDP chose to slash vital funding to these schools, and now they intend to restrict them to only operate within their district. Autism BC has provided the Minister of Education with comments from parents, and I quote, 
You are ripping an autistic child away from an education format that he thrives in, end quote. Will the education minister listen to parents and drop her attack on district distance learning schools? Minister of Education. Thank you very much, Honourable Speaker, and thank you to the member for the question. And I uh, would just note that, of course, uh, following from a briefing that uh, my staff uh, in the Ministry of Education provided to uh, to the member and, and other uh, uh, members from, from across the aisle last week, I think, as you well know, this is a discussion and a set of recommendations that has flown from flowed from, the, uh, from the, the funding review that was conducted in 2018, and it is the intention of the Ministry, Honourable Speaker, to ensure that all children who rely on online ser educational services in this province have equal access to, standard, to a standard of quality that is equal across the entire province. That is the objective of the work we are undertaking, and we are consulting... We are working with, uh, with the, the families of children who are enrolled in these programs. We're working with the providers uh, through both the public schools and the independent schools. We have heard from parents and we have worked with them on an extended consultation and implementation timeline to ensure that we hear the stories that we need to hear in order to move forward to make this very important uh, development in ensuring quality access to quality programs for, for online students across the province. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Member for Fraser Nicholas, supplemental. Well, the NDP unilaterally slashed $12 million out of the budget of independent and distributed learning schools, and base funding was cut by 20%. Parents were already reeling from the DL school changes, and then the Minister of Children and Family Development announced the elimination of individual funding, individualized funding. NDP ministers clearly have no understanding of the impacts of these decisions and aren't even talking to each other. Autism BC surveyed parents who are deeply concerned about the NDP government's coming changes to independent and distributed learning. One parent had this to say, and I quote, I've written a letter to my MLA, who also happens to be the Minister of Education. I've not heard a word back. These changes are extremely stressful and worrisome to parents of autistic children, end quote. Will the minister listen to her constituent and stop her attack on DL schools? Minister of Education. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. And I have to say, I, mean, I appreciate the concern from the member uh, uh, opposite with respect to ensuring that children in this province have access to quality online learning. And that is the objective of the consultation and the process that we are undertaking. We have been consulting with parents. We have been consulting with Autism BC. In fact, I met with them very recently about these very changes. I've met with BC Ed Access. We are meeting with the providers uh, of, uh, of all of these programs. We are engaged right now as we speak in an extensive consultation with families who are engaged in these programs. And we look forward and value their input. And we'll, the, all of that input will inform how we move forward on this uh, process over the, over the coming months 
uh, and in the next couple of years. Uh, as I will say, the member well knows because that's the information that we did provide in the briefing that was provided uh, very, very recently to the member. Thank you very much, Honourable Speaker. The bell and the question period.